tired. So tired. Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and we're going to get the uh, the intro in the proper order this week. So here it goes. Welcome to Overtired. I'm Brett Terpstra. I'm here with Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? Pretty good, Brett. Pretty good. Uh, this is like classic Overtired style and that we are doing this at the crack-ass of dawn my time. So we're both going to be a little bit tired. Um, how are you? I, I haven't slept all week. So yeah, I am fully overtired right now i we had to we had to do a really sad thing this week i'm not talking like really sad i'm talking like tragic yeah no i saw your facebook post and like it broke my heart and so i think we should just skip all the niceties and just go straight into uh into brett's mental health corner yeah right so yeah speaking of mental health uh I'll, i'll mention our two sponsors this week are uh, BetterHelp, uh, which is online counseling, and uh, Ritual Vitamins, which are great for all kinds of health stuff. So that's a, a good lead in, I guess, to the fact that uh, we had a, a kitten it, it, born on uh, born on Valentine's Day, and uh, and we got him after about eight weeks, and uh, we named him Finnegan, and he. Uh, his nickname was Love Pig because he would just crawl up on your shoulder and purr so loud that you couldn't hear anything. And he just, he was so good. And then he got FIP, which is, uh, it's caused by a coronavirus and it uh, causes fluid buildup and uh, it, it's terminal. And we had to put him down last week uh, at the age of like nine months. And it was the saddest thing I have ever done. I've put plenty of animals to sleep over the years. But this was the hardest. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't even like losing pets is the hardest anyway. But yeah, no. And I saw your Facebook post. I was just like my heart went out to you and Elle because... You can't even imagine, you know, something who, who it seemed like you really connected with this with this kitten and, you know, for it to be so little and uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And it was the first pet that Elle and I got together. Uh, all, all of our other pets came into the relationship and uh, and were very attached to one or the other of us. And Finnegan was kind of both of ours. After he got sick, he became uh, a mama's boy. He always wanted to be in Elle's lap, which was fine i think i'm better at petting animals than she is but she's the uh she's the chill nurturing one uh and i think he he just wanted to curl up in her lap while she knit and just his breathing got labored over time um and we didn't want him to slowly suffocate so no you wanted to do the humane thing uh is there like is there anything preventative that like I know some feline diseases like they have vaccines and stuff yeah, is I there don't, anything I don't think there is the it, like they say 80 to 90% of all cats get exposed to this coronavirus uh and only about 1 in 5000 actually develop FIP from it so uh yeah. it's really your cat's immune system will determine whether or not this happens. And I've talked to it since, since, because I posted about this. um, And since posting, I've heard from a few people who have had the same thing happen. And it's just kind of a risk you take. Um, And I don't think it matters where your cat comes from, whether it's a shelter Mm -hmm. or a breeder or whatever, however you get your cat. Like I've adopted cats that I found in gutters and they haven't had the kind of health problems that that we saw. So, yeah, I, I've been I, I lost sleep before, like the thought of having to do it uh, made me like ill, like yeah. sick to my stomach. Uh, so I lost sleep for a couple nights before we had to put him down. And then the grief like kept me awake, I, I, I would think. Like all I'd want to do would would be to sleep, but I I just Mm -hmm. couldn't. I just had like waking dreams about the whole situation. And it was, Mm. (sighs) there's a book called Tear Soup that Mike Rose sent to me uh, when I lost my dog, Emma. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if you've ever seen this book, but it's about 
It's this kind of metaphorical soup that this old woman makes after suffering a major loss. And she fills it with tears and memories. And it is the ultimate book for people who are grieving about anything because it talks about how, like, no one can go through this with you. And a lot of people will try to be sympathetic and then a lot of people won't know how to deal with someone who is grieving and it kind of covers yeah. all of these bases that you're gonna go through i highly recommend it i'm gonna add it to the show notes because it's it was the best thing that uh anyone offered me through the whole That's... emma grieving process no, I, that's that's really good to to know about that. I'm um I'm one of those people who, like, I can be there for people and I can talk to them and I can listen, but I I str you know I struggle because like my instinct is to want to try to be helpful and there's nothing helpful you can really do except maybe do what Mike Rose did, which is offer really good books. Um, my mom though, it's like you know one of the things that she did for years and years and years was that she would run grief groups, you know, for, for kids, you know, and she was a school counselor, a school psychologist. And so uh, she's actually like really good at that. Um, and, you know, in that, that case, you know, you're talking about like elementary school kids who've yeah. lost a sibling or a parent or, you know, maybe, maybe like a close, you know, grandparent or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you do, you always like struggle with that thing. So I, I thank you for, mentioning that book and and i'm i'm just so sorry this happened how is l doing oh she's wrecked i bet she shows on the outside more um the grief and yeah I've, I've learned through this that the best thing you can say to and i can't say this is true for everyone but the best thing you could say to either of us is just to say that sucks like yeah. you can say you're sorry you can offer your own personal stories but all we really need to hear is that that fucking this, sucks. This is, absolutely. No, and it does. It does fucking suck. Like it's yeah, it's, it's shitty. When I it, was in when I was in middle school, both of my grandfathers died on the exact same day. Uh and the same week my dog died. And uh, they stuck me in a grief group that I did not take well to. Like I just I needed to deal with that on my own. And to be honest, I started drinking around that time. And right. I didn't really deal with it until I was in my 20s. <laughs> and then, like, I dealt with that and, like, my friends who had died during my junkie years and it all kind of crashed yep. in at once. But, yeah, I did, grief groups weren't great for me. Yeah, no, I mean, they have to be the right person, too. Like, I think that, that they're not going to work for everybody. And, and, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with any sort of therapy or whatever, oh, right? Oh, for like, sure. You need to be... You need to be in the right mindset to do it and be open to it. Not everybody is yeah. going to be. And and then some people are much more attuned to it than others. Like like my mom, like, is really fucking good at that. Um but but some people, especially uh, I don't mean to be disparaging of our public school systems or our private school systems, to be honest. Actually, I would I would argue that our private school systems are probably worse with this regard. But, you know, a lot of people who do that sort of counseling stuff at that level usually aren't they're not always the best i'm just gonna say it they're they're not always the best so i can see why especially at that age for you being in middle school that that would be like you'd be like yeah I'm, yeah i'm not well, i'm not able to deal with this like i was i was the major uh ingredient there like i just was not oh, open, completely open to any of that right right i mean that's the thing you could have the perfect person and they would like still not they would still not be able to do anything because you wouldn't be open to it. But there can be people who, you know, would maybe recognize and be like, hey, I see that this isn't going to be productive. If you need somebody, I'm here. Yeah. But otherwise, we're we're going to, you know, we're not going to force you to to go to this or, or, or whatever. I feel but, like there's never going to be a better segue into our BetterHelp sponsorship than right now. I agree. Now. I agree, actually. I was just thinking that. Um, and normally I would save this for a little further into the episode, but this is extremely uh, apropos. So um, it, it, the question you have to ask yourself is what's getting in the way of your happiness? And for me personally, it's a combination of right now of grief, uh, being bipolar and having ADHD. Uh, but I think a lot of people have something that prevents them from achieving their goals. So 
there's BetterHelp. BetterHelp is professional therapy available remotely. You fill out a detailed questionnaire and they match you with a professional therapist that's right for you, licensed in the state where you live. And then you connect in a safe and private online environment in whatever way works for you, whether it's live calls, video calls, or just text messages. Uh, once you've filled out your questionnaire, you can start communicating with your counselor in under 24 hours. And this isn't self-help. This is professional counseling. Uh, I see a psychiatrist who takes care of my medication prescription needs. But honestly, I don't, I don't have access to great therapy where I live. Uh, pretty limited selection. And that's why I'm excited about this. I just filled out the questionnaire yesterday and got matched in a couple of hours. So I'll be starting my first session today. And I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, really looking forward to... <laughs> some grief counseling. Um, yeah. But BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available in many areas. Um, there are counselors who specialize in ADHD and bipolar, as well as depression, stress, anger, LGBT specific matters, grief, sleeping, trauma, just about any specific need that you have, um, including grief. Grief. That's a, yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that is, that's our segue, but, uh, anything you share is completely confidential and I want you, our listeners to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash overtired. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash overtired. Have you ever done online counseling? I haven't, but uh, I like that it exists. Yeah. Um, although, like, I've never done online. My shrink, though, is who's also my psychiatrist. Like, I don't I haven't lived in the same state, you know, that, right. that he's in in a decade. So I do it over the phone. Yeah. So it's similar. Yeah, and, and BetterHelp offers uh, phone-based counseling sessions. So, yeah, pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, no, and I have to say, uh, finding somebody is oftentimes, the I think for a lot of people, the most challenging part to even figure out, like, if this would be useful to you or not. And so I'm glad that things like this exist oh. to make things more accessible, you know? Yeah, which reminds me, the read is over, but I will mention that it's super easy to switch counselors if you have any problem with the one they match you with. It's like you can immediately switch to someone else with no hassle at all. That's really cool. Yeah, That's that really is. cool. Because... <laughs> Finding a therapist that like you see in person and then switching therapists is not, a headache. No, it, it is. And um, yeah, so this is one of the, the times where I think it's more advantageous uh, when you can just kind of do things remotely, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, I look forward to, to seeing how it works for you. But but also like I I want you to be able to talk to someone and talk about your grief yeah. because this is this is shitty. And I'm really sorry. Someone who's ready to deal with it because truly a lot of people, myself included, I don't deal well with other people's grief. Like I yeah. feel for them. I'm not, um, I, like I'm, I'm not callous. Like I, I right. feel for you, but I don't know how to relate to you when you're grieving. And I get right. that people, <laughs> people need, I need someone to talk to that isn't uh, like my friends who might not know how to deal with me. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm trying to say, like, about my mom. Like, my mom is like, I think that's one of the reasons why she went into doing what she did. And she switched careers because she was so good at that. I'm I'm not like I, I think of myself as an empathetic person and I'm usually good at talking to people about a lot of stuff. But there are certain things, grief being one of them, where... I mean, sometimes all you can do is hold a person and just tell them you love them yeah. and, you know, that, that it sucks and, and listen. And maybe that's what you need to do. But I guess. Well, and that's like Elle and I, like we're we're both going through this together. Yeah. But you have to grieve on your own. Exactly. And the most we can really do is commiserate and hold each other. But we can't. Like, just because I'm not crying today doesn't mean she can't. And exactly. Like it, 
we have to give each other the space to kind of do that on our own. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing, too. I think that like compounds things is is when you go through a shared loss. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it makes it what whether it's a pet or a person or even something um, like a job. Right. Or, uh, you know, any sort of kind of like like shared grief moment like that. That adds another level of just mess to it. And so I feel for both of you and I'm, I'm glad that you two have each other, but I also like this, this is just really shitty and I yeah. wish that I could take the pain away and, you know, wave a magic wand for you. Yeah, me too. So should we turn this into a tech show? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I guess, <laughs> I guess that our, 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 our Taylor Swift and, and depression uh, pod uh, should go into our tech show. Uh, real quick segue on the Taylor Swift front. Have you seen the the folklore the documentary double, live oh, concert? I was gonna say there's a double a a I can't remember what what they called it, but there's a double record album available now for folklore. But no, I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, would you say like yeah, a yeah. live? So, so what she did is it's like a documentary thing. And this is why they've got the double album where they went to Long Pond Studios, which I guess is like Aaron Dresner, who's the he's from the National and he was the producer for most of the record. And they went to his um, like he has like a farm in upstate New York. And she and Jack Antonoff and um, uh, who's one of her longtime collaborators and, and Aaron Dresner all got together and they played the entire record and in the studio and then um, talked about each track. And for the track that has a uh, bon Iver, he was at his studio in um, Wisconsin. And so, you know, like he came in like remotely, but yeah. uh, it's pretty cool. Actually, a, you get to hear her thought process about the songs, but the recordings themselves are actually, it's really interesting to hear kind of a stripped down, like the album is already stripped down, but to then hear uh, an even more stripped down, you know, kind of like live performance, you know, mix of the stuff, uh, as well as seeing how, you know, they play it and, and you know, do those things. Actually really uh, highly recommended, A+. I, I, I will admit that like a, like a real asshole, I have not even watched that Miss Americana or whatever it is yet. I know, which you need to. You need to watch the Miss Americana. No, she, this is my favorite thing about her. She knows how to get paid because she has, she had the Netflix thing. She got, she was on Apple. Now she's on Disney Plus. I think she even had an Amazon special at one point. Like, is that, they, uh, where's the folklore sorry, doc at? Uh, I, I, I assume that what they're doing and as they should is that they're, that her people are like basically, you know, doing a bidding war and using the fact that all these services will pay big money for sure. Taylor Swift. But uh, but what I do appreciate, at least, is that even though the the documentary is on uh, and the live thing is, is on Disney Plus, the um, album, like the, the recordings themselves are on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. So you can like listen to the, the music anywhere. But if you want to watch the performances and, and stuff, that's on Disney Plus. Cool. Hey, we got Taylor Swift in for like the first time in like probably three weeks. I know. I know. I, I was I was feeling bad that like we hadn't touched on her in a while. But uh, yeah, um, my, my friend Frank, Frank Petrie sent me a link to the, the double album, said it was it was good through and through. And, yes. and I hadn't followed up on it yet. But hi, Frank. Nice. Thanks hi, for the Frank. Tip. Yeah, appreciate that. I uh, it's actually funny because somebody on Twitter last week asked me. They were like, "I started listening to the album. I really like it. Do you have any other recommendations for songs? You know, like you know, of hers or whatever that are in this vein." And so, I wound up uh, taking an hour out of my workday uh, <laughs> and making a, a folklore mood mix, which you know um, was like all in the same aesthetic of the album. Some of it was her tracks, but some of it was like from other artists and stuff. And I have to say really really good fall winter kind of gloomy like playlist like i i haven't made like a good playlist in a while i'll uh people want i'll have the links in the show notes for uh apple music and for spotify but uh i was actually really pleased with it i was like actually i kind of nailed this this is good did you manually make it for spotify and apple music i did 
Okay, because there are services that'll like there translate, are. but they keep breaking. Like every time a good Ex one comes right. out, it eventually breaks. Exactly. And Spotify, they re they they ended up reversing course on this, but they actually banned some of the apps that were doing those things yeah. to use their API. Why would and they then they do came that? out because playlisting is now, I guess, what they see as their secret sauce. And so I do understand the point where they're like, hey, we don't want people to take rap caviar and convert that <laughs> into something they can listen to on another like service. Sure. Even though it's a commodity, right? And even though it's XML files, right? Like yeah. we all know what this is. But um I, I don't know. The the backlash they reneged, but um it was easier for me to be totally honest to just recreate it. I just had like my iPad because also the 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 reality was it was like a it was like the day before Thanksgiving and I didn't want to grab my laptop and bother. Sure. So I just had like my iPhone in one hand and like my iPad in the other. And I just like, you know, manually did it. It was like 40 songs. So, you know, <laughs> that's a long it, playlist. I know, I know, but I, I kept like finding stuff. It's a good playlist. Right. Uh, it's, right. it's very much in the mood. So we'll, we'll have links to that. Yeah, but, um, I'll check it out too. Okay, so we've got Taylor Swift covered. Now we are also, you know, a Mac fandom uh, podcast. Uh, let's talk about some uh, some Mac news. Yeah. Uh, AWS uh, has a EC2 instances running Mac OS now. Yeah, which <laughs> I, personally, I think that's great. Like, especially yeah. if I can... Uh, load up any uh, version of the OS and allow for for anyone who doesn't know what this means it basically means you can spin up a cloud computer uh, on a Mac so mm -hmm. uh, it, this has always been problematic because of the way Apple hardware is tied so closely to Apple software if you wanted to develop for a Mac you kind of had to have a Mac so you could Right. You could use EC2 for everything except for developing a Mac. So now they've added right. some Intel Macs that they they say they're going to update to M1s soon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if I can say test on three different uh, versions of the operating system, that would be way better than than having multiple test machines with multiple partitions. And uh, yeah, I would dig it. Yeah, yeah. The there are some caveats, and there are some things that that make me kind of laugh, and that do make me question. I think how useful this will be. I think that for your build testing stuff, stuff like uh, Azure pipelines, um, there is some other CI/CD services. Um, App Center is one I know that we also do. At Microsoft GitHub has their their build things. There's some other um, uh, like uh, services that have uh, Mac OS runners, which basically they're all doing the same thing where they're running you know, the build um, stuff on, you know, Mac minis. Yeah. Um, the, the issue with it is that because of how Apple licenses this stuff, uh, the minimum amount of time that you have for, like, um, compute, you have to reserve as 24 hours. Mm. So you have to pay for at least 24 hours. The issue is, is that it's, like, a dollar an hour. Yeah. And and so if you do the math on that, that's $750 a month if you're running 30 days all all uptime. Jeez, you uh, could buy, which a, is you could buy your own Mac Mini for that. You absolutely could. You absolutely could. Um if you pay three years in advance, uh Corey Quinn, um, who's a friend of mine and, and he um is uh, uh like an AWS uh billing expert, he like went through um, all the, the math on this. If you pay three years in advance, they will give you a discount, and it's only four hundred and fifty dollars a month. Um, I'm yeah. still a month. I'm I'm still kind of like like you know choking. Uh, I think in that case, like if you were a big enterprise and you're somebody who's doing tons of build minutes all the time, because the build minutes, this is where your other services who do that do add up and get pretty expensive. And if you don't want to manage, um, you know. A, a bunch of, of Macs, which a, a lot of people don't want to do sure. completely. If you don't want to manage that, and also if you need certain security things, you know, uh, that, that Amazon is is certified for, I think that that's who this is targeted as. Unfortunately, at least right now, and, and this could change, for people like you and I, ironically, what this has done is it's just made Mac Stadium, who I know you've used for <laughs> yeah. years and years, it really just kind of makes their point for them. Um, although it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, it really does make their point for them for people like you and I, because it just says, hey, um, either co-locating or 
you know, straight up paying, um, you know, $50 a month, you know, or, or $150 a month for a Mac mini from them is the way to go. That said, they have their Kubernetes, uh, like, uh, in, you know, kind of cloud, private cloud thing called Orca that starts at 1500 a month. <laughs> so, um, uh, but again, like we're talking about people who are not you and I, like I, this is, I think that when I look at this offering, I'm excited that it exists, but I also look at it and I'm like, at first I was really excited. And then I looked at the details. I was like, oh shit, this is for Netflix, yeah, right? Like you, genuinely, you, right? You just like, made like, this a real this for Netflix for me. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, but like, I was, I was glad we were going to talk about this. No, but I, but this, this launched last night yesterday and I was super excited and I started looking into it. And then I started doing the numbers and, and talking to Corey and, and, um, uh, my friend Brad Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, played it out. And I was just like, God damn it. Like, this is not what I wanted, but yeah. the upside is, uh, a, the reason it's not what we want is completely 100% Apple's fault. So that's good for us to know. We can be mad at them. Because uh, they're the ones who set the terms with their license and how that stuff works. But um, if there's demand for this stuff, and I think this is where it gets interesting with the M1 stuff, if there was demand for this stuff, I see both Amazon, you know, or other clouds potentially, you know, being willing to lower the price and doing stuff like that. or And, and potentially, if Apple really did see a market for this, there's no reason why they wouldn't offer something like this for developers themselves. In fact, it's it's always seemed kind of weird to me that they haven't offered this, like since they're now the services company, this would be a really easy kind of value add for them to say on top of their, you know, your developer account, if you pay, you know, a certain amount of money, you get a certain number of build minutes or whatever, and you can access this number of configurations and do these, you know, builds and tests. Like, yeah. it makes sense. So I don't know. I, I, I At the very least, I'm glad that, that they're doing it. And the whole reason they were able to do this is because Apple finally, finally, finally with, with Big Sur, like set out rules and, and set out like guidelines for how people can use and kind of resell like Macs in the data center. And because before that, it's been sort of a gray area where you've had the Mac stadiums of the world doing it, but they've kind of been operating in a place where we're like, where they're like, well, we don't exactly know like what we are and aren't allowed to do, except that, the one rule Apple's had, which is frustrating, is that they're like, under no circumstances can you slice these things up and sell them in smaller instances. It's it's a all or nothing play. But I do hope that at some point they are willing to um, come down on the the residency requirement and, and or tenancy requirement. Sorry. Uh, and it'd be like, hey, your tenant doesn't need to be 24 hours long because that's what kills it. Because I think for a lot of people, if you could pay by the hour, yeah, that would that would be like a game changer. Yeah, that's the thing. I think of of AWS as pretty dirt cheap computing. Yes. Uh, so absolutely, this kind of requirement definitely uh, nixes any cost savings you would have. Like honestly, yeah. Like it just sounds like I'd be better off buying extra Mac Minis. Yeah, you would. You would. Um, if you have the wherewithal to be able to manage it and do that stuff yourself, you absolutely would. That's cool. But, I have two on my shelf right now. <laughs> 2012 yeah. Mac Minis, but they still yeah. work. Hey, as long as they still work, right? I put 16 but, um, gigs of RAM in each one. They they do all right. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, those are those are good machines. Um, it was funny. Uh, uh, Andy Anako last night on Twitter, like he was posting a picture. He was like, yes, I too am, am uh, you know, one of those power users you see in your threads upgrading his 2012 Mac mini with 16 <laughs> gigs of RAM. Totally. I was like, I was like, yes, yes. I love this, Andy. It's so, so cheap to do that now. You can buy the, the, the new, the RAM modules for like 30 bucks. So yeah, this, it was just good. Yeah. So sorry to be a bummer on the, on the AWS Mac front. No, but it's good to know. I, no, but I do actually think that it's good that we see it. And I'm hoping that, um, like, we, that this will maybe open up some other opportunities. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm just excited to see them do it. And I have to give, even though, like, and I, we don't really see disclosures on this podcast because people know, but I, I clearly work for a direct competitor of AWS, uh, but I have absolutely no problem. Like, game respects game. And, and I, I'm excited, <laughs> like, as a, user and a person who um 
knows and cares way more about cloud computing than I ever thought I would. <laughs> uh, like, didn't ever think that would be my life. I'm like, actually, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to see that this is something that um, is at least an option because I think that it's really good. So, um, on but, that segue, let's talk about some like you've some big stir apps that you love. Um, yeah. So. Anyone who, any Mac power user, whether uh, self-proclaimed or otherwise, has probably heard of Bartender. Um, if you run enough utility apps on your Mac, your menu bar gets like completely overcrowded and Bartender helps like um, hide. Make it hide. Yep. Make it pretty. Yeah. So you have, you get like two, two menu bars, basically one for your the stuff you actually need in your menu bar and one for overflow. And it can do cool things like, uh, in the case, like Dropbox, anytime an icon updates, uh, with like a badge or whatever, you can have it display mm -hmm. temporarily and then disappear again. Um, but for a while there on, on Catalina and maybe even back to what was before Catalina? Mojave. Mojave. I, I think it started with Mojave. Um, uh, it got really slow, like switching between the menu bars took like three, four seconds and it was, yeah. it was annoying, um, if not more. But then Bartender 4 came out and I've only used it on Big Sur. I don't know how it runs on Catalina, but it is super fast. Uh, it can do, it can do the thing where it replaces what's in the menu bar or expands in the menu bar, or it can have the separate like floating bar underneath it with the overflow stuff. And it is super fast and super easy to configure. And I am, I'm, I'm blown away that an app that I was so in love with to begin with has gotten so much better. I love that. I love that. And I haven't used Big Sur yet because I am afraid, but um, this is the sort of stuff that I hear about that like would make me want to make the upgrade. So, because I love Bartender like you, I've been using it for, God, I don't even know how many years, um, but uh, I love it. Actually, it's funny you mention uh, Bartender because it reminds me in some ways, did you hear the news about Growl? No. So they have officially retired the Growl project. Growl is officially retired. Yeah, because notifications completely replaced it. Com completely did, right? But um, 17 years hell of a run yeah um and and they've encouraged people you know like it'll continue to run but like for they're, they're not updating it for big sur and and honestly it hasn't even i haven't even been able to get it to reliably install in a couple of years to be honest i used to use it for everything i used to script custom sure. stuff with yeah. it uh, but most apps have, have dropped support for it and have just used notification center which makes sense but it reminds me of bartender in the sense that like you know, Bartender is also one of those like really nice Mac utilities that just gets out of your way and makes the experience better. And um, just shout out to the to the bar to, to the Growl team. Shout out to the Bartender dev for sure, but also shout out to the Growl team because that was one of those apps that when I became you know like a full time Mac user was one of those things that made me fall in love with the Mac. Like it was yeah that that and ironically like if some of the same members all worked on like you know, Adium and, and, um, uh, Perian and Growl. And I, I think back about that kind of time in the max like life cycle. And I'm like, yeah, this was like peak good. <laughs> like part of it might be nostalgia, but I also think that it's also like genuinely like those like, like peak Mac era of, you know, Mac OS stuff, uh, Mac OS 10 anyway, um, of, of development. So I'll admit, I, yeah. I still use Adium. Um, I would if I had any contacts. Yeah, I use on it, I, XMPP. I use it for IRC. Um, I haven't run Colloquy or Colloquy, Colloquy. Yeah, for yeah, for a few I years for years. But, yeah, I haven't, I haven't either. I've used Textile. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the one I've used I, for for many years. See, I never got into the text-based IRC clients, and I don't know why because it makes perfect sense. Like, well, the one it that I, it's called textual. Sorry. Yeah. No, sorry. The one that I was talking about is called textual and it's a really good GUI and oh. it's, it's, oh. uh, it, it's actually really pretty. It's, it's been in the Mac app store for forever. Huh. And that's the one that I've used is it's called textual. I just always and assumed that, that was a text-based one. 
Um, no, I mean, it is text-based in the sense well, that like, IRC it's, you know, but, right, right, exactly. <laughs> but no, but, but it's got a really nice looking GUI and, um, and they continue to, you know, to update it. It has dark mode support oh, and, cool. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's actually really nice. I have to, I, I give them, you know, credit for that, um, uh, that they, they, they are continuing to, um, develop it and update it and stuff, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, if I used IRC more, I could see myself still using ADM. I don't know. I miss ADM sometimes, though. Like, it's just, I loved the themes. I loved having the back when chat was all open standards instead of being federated into all these different things, which yeah. is the shitty part, if I can be totally honest, about the modern world we live in is that we literally did have interoperable chat standards because nothing is new or unique about the way we chat right. now. <laughs> nothing like it like like we've added nothing to the ability of this except that you can add files more easily right and and that you can maybe that that's basically it right because there's nothing like demonstrably different or new about teams or slack or you know uh matter most or or, or discord or whatever um then our other solutions like uh, discord at least adds voice chat but like everything else is the same all that we've done is we've replaced our instant messaging stuff, you know, uh, or, or campfire, right? Which we, we still sure. all we've done is we've replaced, we've replaced, you know, that stuff that we used to have interoperable standards with. So you could at least have, you know, an Omni client with just a bunch of Electron apps where you have to run like four instances uh-huh. of, of, a, of, of a web browser so that you can uh, access all your different chat things. But I digress, and I'm not salty about it or anything uh, <laughs> that that we've that we've as a society could completely regressed. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't have a segue for this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fit our our other sponsor in here. Um, yes, and then I do actually have a segue to the next topic, but it's gonna it's not gonna work now because we're gonna talk about ritual. Yeah, we're gonna talk about ritual. Let's talk about some vitamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this episode is brought to you by Ritual. If you're looking for a multivitamin that will fill the gaps in your diet, Ritual is perfect. It's vegan, non-GMO, gluten and allergen free, and provides <clears throat> excuse me, nutrients that cover all the bases. I don't know about you, but the holiday season tends to be a bit stressful for me, and I need all the nutrition I can get. Um, Ritual vi- multivitamins have no sugars, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. All of its ingredients are transparently sourced all the way through, and all of the nutrients come in bioavailable forms that your body can actually utilize. Ritual is scientifically developed to help support different life stages. I'm taking the formula for men, but there are also formulations for teens, prenatal, and one just for women, which I know Christina has been taking. How's that going? It's going well. I mean, I I haven't taken a multivitamin, which, you know, my doctors and my mom mostly my mom has been like on me to take for a really long time. And, um, it's been really nice actually, you know, taking a multivitamin do, every day. Do, uh, do you love the mint smell? I do like the mint smell. It's nice. They put a, like, like a mint bar into every bottle and I, 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 I'm addicted to the smell of it. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice. And, uh, I, it doesn't taste bad. Like it doesn't have a weird, like aftertaste thing, like some, you know, yeah. like, multivitamins do which is one of the reasons why, like, you know, I used to always, because my, my mom growing up, I used to always take them and, and I'd be like, oh, these are like horse pills. Yeah. It's not like that experience, which I really appreciate. Yeah, they're, they're nice small pills. And they're cool looking too with like liquid and stuff floating in them. It's part of the whole bioavailable nutrients thing. Um, my formula, the men formula, has 10 nutrients in it, including the vitamin E and the D that my psychiatrist recommends. Uh, and I've gone from taking four different supplements every morning to just taking two ritual vitamins along with my meds. Uh, and their delayed release formula means I can take them without a meal, which is great while I'm here doing intermittent fasting. Uh, and you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Uh, visit ritual.com overtired to start your ritual today. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm not good at conversational ad reads. Like if I'm reading, it's gonna sound like I'm like Trump in that way. You can tell when I'm reading. 
And even if I write it out so that it's supposed to sound conversational, it still sounds like I'm reading. So I, 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 these might be more effective if I were more conversational. So let's let's pretend I'm being conversational because we love sponsors and 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 ritual is great. So we appreciate them. Yeah. No, you're no Simone de Rochefort. You're getting better. I think it comes with practice. Uh, <laughs> Simone, who I do rocket with, is like hands down the best person at ad reads ever. She's just hilarious and will come up with the most like bizarre but funny like ways of, of doing the reads. And uh, on our 300th episode of Rocket, um, uh, we actually learned that there was a, a sponsor we had at one point where they like loved the reads, but, but, uh, um, I, th I think it was Mike Hurley who told us he was like, yeah, we did hear back from a sponsor one time that they're like, we love we love the ad read. But maybe in the future, could you not? It, it, it was for a mattress. They were like, could you not like talk about jumping out the window <laughs> onto the mattress? Like, don't, 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 don't encourage that sort of thing. And, and, and he was telling us this and like none of us remembered it, but we were like, yeah, that sounds like one of Simone's uh, awesome ad reads. But uh, back when Systematic was on five by five, uh, where Overtired used to be as well. Um, yep. Uh, we'd get our reads from Dan and they would, I, I, as far as I knew at the time, uh, we were supposed to read them verbatim. And I, it always felt weird to me to do a commercial uh, that wasn't supposed to sound like a commercial. So I would actually record them in post, uh, do I, for a couple of them, I, I did a, a Barry White thing where I pitch shifted my voice down and added like music behind it, like bong chicka bong music. Um, oh, that's fantastic. I was told those were actually fairly effective. Um, I bet. I'm not going to, I'm not like going to do that to this, but. No, no. I mean, I think also people know you expect one of two types of batteries in your podcast. Now you either expect it to be dynamically inserted um, which is awesome if that happens, or like if, if your podcast is doing well enough that you can get the dynamically inserted uh, uh, ads. Um, uh, and, and listeners, if you hear those on your podcast, I understand being annoyed, but also if it's a smaller podcast, especially be happy for them because that means that like they're doing really well if that's what they're getting to do. So you hear like the the dynamically inserted like pre-recorded things, or you have you know what we do, which is our our live reads. Um, and, uh, and sometimes you do have people who will, you know, record and then insert, you know, their own reads and whatnot. But, um, I, it, it's interesting how podcast advertising has evolved, but that's a, that's a whole other topic for another time that I don't so, think our listeners care that much about. So let's pretend we're talking about, uh, like text-based chat and things like that. Yes. And let's pretend yes. that I just came up with a brilliant segue to the idea Posted by one Christina Warren for stories <laughs> in Windows yes. Terminal. I'm, yes. I'm tempted to read this, just read it out loud. Should I? I think you should. Let me load it back up here. This is, it's worth hearing. It's, this is, this was posted, you want to say like two in the morning? Yes, two in the morning. I, I posted this as an official feature request on the Windows Terminal uh, GitHub repository. Uh, like this is an official feature request that I form that I filled out. All right. So imagine you're you're reading you're reading through the feature requests, most of which are are serious, and you come up with one titled "Add a Stories Feature to Windows Terminal." Stories are the new hotness. Snapchat invented stories, but the paradigm of ephemeral updates has since been adopted by Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and most recently Spotify. There is even a VS Code extension that adds this feature, which was surprising to me. Um, why should LinkedIn get all the fun? Windows Terminal might be a singular experience, but with user profiles, is it really? But that doesn't mean we shouldn't create an ephem ephemeral social layer into it. Windows Terminal stories could be in GIST form, a la GitHub, or scripts in your favorite shell language, PWSH or Bash or Zshell, Zish, into club we all fam. Into club we all fam. I, this is this is like uh, kids speak. I don't understand. But that was a, that was a broad city reference. Sorry, go on. Okay, they could also be print screens of your favorite current terminal session because who does who doesn't want to show off their latest NeoFetch WinFetch ASCII art? 
As a long-term goal, there could even be a way to share a gist slash link in your config file to share your specific terminal preferences and font color information. That actually seems like a legit request. But I, I actually, actually, I agree. And ironically, that was the one thing that <laughs> they kind of took from this. They're like, oh, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> it goes on with proposed technical implementation details just to really sell the idea that straight face that it was an actual uh, feature request. Mm -hmm. So how did this go? Well, um, the initial response was incredibly positive. Everybody was completely on board and absolutely agrees with me that we should absolutely add stories to Windows Terminal because you totally want to have a web um, server layer and a social layer in your terminal. Like that's exactly what everybody needs. We need to social and gamify everything. Right. Like, and, it, and everyone's it, being straight faced. Everybody, yeah, everybody's straight faced. Everybody was like, I want this. I mean, it was, like, it was, it was immediately upvoted, got tons and tons of likes, tons of plus ones. It was, it went over really, really well. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, a few hours later, uh, the team comes in and wakes up to this and, and they were like, Okay, uh, we've all had a good laugh. These are some problems I, I, I see with this. Ironically, the, the one feature that both you and I thought, they're like, that's actually a good idea about being able to share your, your session and, and whatnot. They're like, okay, this is actually good. And we've talked about a way to do this before, but this actually is a good idea. Uh, but but this, this maybe doesn't seem like a good feature. But then they assigned it to um, uh, the, the PM who it's her fault that all this happened because she dared me to do it on Twitter and didn't think that I would actually do this. Um, and, and then, um, and, and, and she ended up, you know, like declining me like, you know, I love the idea. Great issue. I don't think this is a place for this. But the conversation continued. And then somewhere around the 18 hour mark, um, people started to not understand that this was a joke. Which is and unfathomable to me, but okay. I agree. No, I 100% agree. I mean, like, I thought that I was pretty, like, I wrote it straight face, but I thought that, like, if you read it, like, you you understand that I'm not actually being serious. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I, I obviously wrote it, like, in a, you know, completely, you know, like, the, the whole conceit was to make it seem realistic, but but obviously it's not. But people clearly did not seem to get that this was not, a real thing. And in fact, I even had people on Twitter who were like coming at me and were like getting really angry. And I was like, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, and then it got, you know, and then, then people seemed to think it was funny again. And then it shifted and went real like where people just got like mad, like angry. And we're like, this is why, you know, Microsoft has so many problems and how did she get her job? <laughs> and uh, I was actually a little bit upset that the, the, uh, whole thing was was locked because I, I wanted to respond to that guy and be like, I got my job because I'm really fucking good at my job. Actually, I got my job because of shit like this, to be totally honest. I work in <laughs> developer relations and this is why like I'm good at what I do. And you have to have a sense of, of humor to do this job. Exactly. You have to have a sense of humor and it's funny and like developers enjoyed it and I like, got something out of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is called engagement. And and also I'm like, I'm I'm really good at what I do, actually. Like it's funny because um, especially when I first switched careers, there was a time when I w had like definite inferiority complex and like imposter syndrome. And I still do to some extent, but I'm way more confident and comfortable. And I'm like, no, I, I deserve to be here every bit as much as, you know, anybody else on my team. And I'm I'm really good at what I do. Uh, but, um, I have to give the, the windows terminal team credit. Cause at that point, once it started getting nasty, which, you know, fuck that guy, but also lol, um, one of the, 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 the engineer who had originally responded to the issue, he was like, all right, I'm going to lock this. And he you know, defended me and he was like, actually, you know, I thought we could all enjoy, you know, a nice humorous thread, but I guess not. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, he, he, you know, stood up for me as like a colleague and was like, you know, Maybe some people like their colleagues have a sense of humor, um, which clearly some of you lack. But um, yeah, that was that was a fun and uh, sort of disappointing end to the 24 hour experiment. But um, I, as I told him on uh, Teams, I was like, I got to be honest, it it like lasted longer than I thought that it would. Yeah, before the, it, it blew looks up, like to be totally honest, looks like they just locked it two hours ago. Yeah, exactly. They just locked it like this morning. Like it, it took a while. So it actually like took longer than I thought that it would for it to go to hell because, you know, the Internet. But uh, yeah, um, I had I was thinking about 
us and our show because I was like, you know, I, I trolled, um, you know, the the um, the GIMP people last week, and I was like, <laughs> now I'm trolling the Windows Terminal we're people. Gonna, but I do we're have, gonna have a shit posting corner of the show now. We really are, we are gonna have a shit posting <laughs> corner of the show. But the thing is, is that like I love the Windows Terminal so much. It's actually one of my very favorite projects. Like I love it, love it, love it. And um, and I appreciate that they had like such a good sense of humor about the whole thing. Um, also, I do actually think that that sharing of config thing is a good idea. I would love to maybe next episode, you can tell me why you love Windows Terminal because I haven't used it. Like I'm a huge fan of terminal apps in general. I would love to hear what's special about Windows Terminal. Um, yeah, no, no. We'll we'll talk about it next episode. The 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 TLDR that I'll just to, to what your appetite that I'll say is that when they created it, their goal was to be iTerm two, but for Windows. Oh, like see. that is their watermark. That that's I could their love. watermark. Exactly. I knew you would, and that's the thing. Like that, and and you know, um, it, it might not be they, they're completely, but like that's what the team's like personal benchmark was even if it was and, i term two from like three years ago right before right. they went crazy with new features and i term right does it have Which a team mode it does oh that's amazing uh it, and and it it can it works with multiple shells and and um it's really good we'll talk about it yeah. um, next episode but but um because because if you have to if you ever have to have to use windows like you would actually really enjoy it and um, it's open source, you know, they're, they're developing it in the open with the community. And, um, I really respect like the work that the team has done on that. And they're, they're really nice people. So I, uh, I appreciated them, you know, like letting me, letting me troll them, uh, and, and having a good humor about it. The, the, some of, some of the community people, maybe not as much, but no, they had like really, really good humor about it, which was nice. Um, and, uh, but I have to also say, like, especially for 2 a.m., I was like, this is pretty funny. This is a pretty good, it's a pretty good issue. So the last topic on our list that I want to hit before we run out of time, because yes. it won't be relevant next week. Hopefully right. it won't be relevant next week. Is this yes. press conference that Rudy Giuliani oh had where he, he brought in a quote unquote witness or like a whistleblower to talk about how Dominion voting systems, which were used in sub several of the battleground states, were actually uh, an invention of Hugo Chavez. And uh, like their claim was that Dominion was owned by Smartmatic, which was created uh, in, in Spain uh, in like 2012 or whatever. And... Uh, which is, you know, like Chavez has been dead since 2013, so it's almost irrelevant. But anyway, like the point of, of me bringing this up is the entire premise is faulty because Smartmatic and Dominion are competitors and have never shared hardware or software. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I'm actually of the opinion that I have a lot of problems, actually, with, um, you know, electronic voting systems in general. And I don't like how the black boxes exist. And and I think that there is not in this case at all, because I think that the election was completely fair and that all the auditing proves that. But I think you can have a conversation about how these system wor systems work and, and that that is a conversation that is worth having. And in fact, the the head of, you know, um, you know, cybersecurity or whatever, the guy that, that Trump fired and that then one of his, you know, cronies said should be drawn and quartered and, and executed, executed. Right. <sighs> like that guy even said that like paper ballots is, you know, the key to, you know, fair elections. And he's, I think, completely right. But but the the fact that, you know, the way that, that Rudy would go about this is to conflate these two competitors who don't share anything and like are actively going after the same, you know, contracts is just, I mean, it's just so good. It's, 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 it's infuriating it's, yet hilarious. It it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. No, I mean, also, uh, did you see, and I don't even know how many weeks ago this was, but the, the one press conference he had where like, the hair dye or whatever he yeah, had was right. dripping yeah, down yeah. his face. And he brought on like, that, that lawyer that they since distanced themselves from that originated right. this conspiracy theory. Yes. Well, this is the thing, right? Like they, 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 
distance themselves from her because she went too off the deep end. They're like, okay, this is actually hurting us. But yet they're still repeating all of her stuff. And then, and then yesterday, um, uh, Monday, as we're recording this, there was some sort of batshit hearing in Arizona, like one of their state assemblies or whatever, where one of their guys, you know, again, presented batshit insane things. And Rudy Giuliani was asking questions. And you have these elected officials in Maricopa County and places like that who were just straight up shills who are like, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's under the guise of it being some sort of official business, but it's it's clearly not. And I was just I was watching part of the the quote unquote hearing because it's not a real hearing. And and I was just like, is how is this not a farce? Yeah. Like how how is how is this actual real life? I mean, there should be there should be uh, perjury charges if you're going to have a public hearing, and would they do it like a Hyatt? Yeah. Th- there should be some kind of accountability because they take these same charges into courtrooms and they just get laughed mm-hmm. out. Yet right. they have these conference these like basically their news conferences where they try to make this seem official and legal and it's it's not at all they have zero evidence to back these claims up zero there should zero. be some accountability for that i agree and and i mean i have appreciated that the media for the most part has completely ignored you know this they're not broadcasting these things except maybe showing like the the meme highlights yeah um except for you know like your completely unhinged media like Newsmax and OAN and, and places like that that I, you know, don't count. But the the problematic thing to me more than like, because, okay, Fox News, you know, this is the my favorite thing. The conservatives are all now mad at Fox News, right. uh, which is hilarious because <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, you're, 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 you're not backing up these insane theories. Right. And it's like, no, they're, you're they're not. You're actively fact-checking. Exactly. Uh, unless you're... Start? you're Right, unless you're Maria Bartiromo, right. who fuck her, but like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I never liked her. And, uh, seriously, I look, I'm just gonna go on a rant here. I never liked her ever. Um, she was on CNBC forever. She was like kind of the face of that, and I never liked her. And Aaron Burnett, who I always really liked and looked up to, came on the scene and was like the younger, better, more competent version of Maria Bartiromo. And Maria like could not stand Aaron Burnett and you know, really like actively like made like it was not like it was there was like intense rivalry. And um when Aaron left and got her CNN show, like clearly she won, right? Because she has a primetime CNN sure. show and 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 Maria wound up having to leave to go to freaking Fox business. And and I say this I should add as someone who has appeared on the Fox Business Network probably a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Uh and I'm not like that's not a flex uh, is all I'm saying. Like that, 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 that's like, nobody should be like, no, like, Oh, I, I'm I've on Fox been, I've business. Who cares? Stepford wives comments from, uh, from the Fox business dressing room. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. No, no joke. Yeah. I, well, I got, I really liked the, um, the makeup and the hair people, but that was it. Uh, also like <laughs> the only thing you'd ever see people of color on Fox, uh, was, was, you know, makeup and hair people, but I really liked them, but the rest of the people, whew, but uh, yeah, but other than um, like, but, but, but Bartiromo has always been terrible. And now people are finally coming around to it. They're like, oh, but she used to be so good. I was like, no, <laughs> during the financial know? crisis. No, she wasn't. <laughs> like during the financial crisis, this is when she really like, this is when Aaron Burnett really kicked her ass because Aaron Burnett was an actual like analyst and had worked at Goldman Sachs and actually knew what she was talking about and wasn't like a shill for the banks and, you know, wasn't married to a billionaire hedge fund guy. And uh, was was good at her job, whereas Bertaromo, like the economy is literally collapsing and she's just like defending and carrying water for all the banks and shit. And I'm like, you fucking like, fuck you, dude. Like (laughs) you're 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 awful. Uh, And uh, so so seeing seeing her come up and has been fun. But the it's just insane to me that that like. I'm so here's what I was gonna say. I'm I'm happy the mainstream media isn't covering this, but I am slightly concerned because I go to YouTube and they'll do these live streams of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'll see people who are carrying those streams, and there will be like tens of thousands of people tuning into these like right wing, super, super, super like off the rails channels. Yeah. 
And uh, we all focus on Newsmax and OAN. And it's like, yeah, that's not where the eyeballs are. Like, it's actually Steven Crowder and, and some of these other things where you have a lot more people who it's like a much bigger audience and they're not even on the damn radar. And they're like, that's that's the concerning thing to me, like as the future of our democracy. But fingers crossed, this won't matter, as you said, because they're going to certify all this shit and uh, they have no case. And um the only disappointing thing is that we're going to have to listen to this, you know, like giant baby with its tiny desk bleed on about how <laughs> the election was rigged until the end of time. And the mm -hmm. only thing I can hope is that the mainstream media will ignore him because I feel like if they do, if they just don't report on him, like after he's out of office, if they just straight up don't report on him, he he won't ever completely go away, but he will lose his power because. He'll be relegated you know, to parlor instead of Twitter. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. And the thing is, is that as, as much as I do worry that like alternative forms of media are gaining bigger and bigger influence. Yeah. For someone since like, when is OAN and Newsmax lumped in with legitimate news organizations? That's, that's I know. scary. I agree with you. I agree with you. The only thing, though, is that part of the only reason that they're lumped in with it is because mainstream media like give them that credence. Yeah. And if, if when Trump is gone, like, here's the thing. Um, he needs and thrives on mainstream media stuff. So if the Foxes and the CNNs and the MSNBCs and the whoever else's of the world don't cover him, again, he won't ever completely go away, but he will be relegated to these smaller pockets and it won't make a, it won't make a big splash. But and like, he needs, he needs that, like, mainstream yeah you know new york times it, like it's attention. very optimistic to think that he's ever going away and even if oh, he he's... does trumpism isn't oh like, i agree with that I, I, no no oh i agree with that and and he's not ever going away i'm just saying like i hope i'm and i i'm not saying i think this will happen because i don't think it will but what i would hope is that these networks would realize we no longer have uh, ethical obligation to cover this because he's the president of the United States. Right. Because that was always the argument before. It's like, even though he's unhinged, even though this is lies, even though whatnot, like he is the president of the United States and it is by its very existence news when he does these things. But when he's just a private citizen and like an unhinged, you know, former guy, like you don't actually need to have right. a news story for every single one of his tweets. Like you don't actually have to do that. And so I'm hoping uh, you know, I'm not super like confident in this happening, but I'm hopeful that maybe some of those organizations and networks especially will be like, you know what? We don't we don't need to do this because if that if, if, if that isn't happening, I do feel like Trumpism isn't going away. But maybe the like the, the fuel well, for those, will be dissipated for those two weeks after the election when he just kind of sulked and, and didn't have yep. any public appearances. There was this. Uh, visceral breath of relief. And yeah. it was like the networks were just super happy to, I'm sure it affected their ratings, but they were oh, super did. happy to just not have to say anything or repeat anything that he said. Agreed. Or at least I felt Agreed. a breath of relief. No, I did too. I did too. And I, and I, and, and it, and it actually, that's a really good example because it did it, it at that point all of the crazy shit really did go to the fringes. And to me, it's like, okay, if that's what you want to do, fine. Um, I don't know if you've read any of the interviews that the Newsmax CEO has been giving lately. No. This guy's a trip. So he's a billionaire. Uh, he is obviously like a terrible person, but he also is pretty honest. Like when asked directly, he's like, yeah, he has no shot in hell at, at winning, but he's my friend, but you know, whatever. But like he, he straight out says... Yeah, my audience is full of morons, but I really <laughs> want to make money off of them. And 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 there's a part of me that kind of respects that. Um, I, I don't because I think it's dangerous, you know, for a lot of reasons. But there's a part of me that I'm kind of like, OK, well, I mean, I at mean, least you're Trump, like Trump could say the same thing. He just doesn't say it out loud. Well, right. But, but that's what I'm saying. This guy does actually say it out loud. He's actually like very self-aware about the fact that he's like, yeah, I these people are idiots, but I'm really happy to take their money and I'm really happy to build a business off of this. Yeah. I'm like, okay, wow. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I, I, thanks for your honesty, but yeah.
Trump Trump's election defense fund made millions of dollars, most of which will go to cover his own debts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah. I will uh. drop in the show notes um, because we'll probably never talk about this again, hopefully. But uh, there was a great article in Wired prior to the election on uh, kind of the future of voting systems. And mm-hmm. there was a really, uh, really well thought through system that came out of a hackathon that was like a blockchain based, mm-hmm. fully accountable voting system that was basically unhackable, uh, full paper trail, full audit trail for every vote. And and like you said, honestly, like the Dominion machines, uh, they print out paper. There's a full paper audit available for every vote. It's it's a secure enough system, but mm-hmm. this blockchain voting system actually sounded really cool. And you could go home and you could verify that your vote was cast and counted. And yeah, I'll find that article. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah, find that. Yeah, no, that's interesting because we are going to have to not in this context, but we are going to have to think about, you know, elect- like this. This issue is not going to go away. This Pandora's box. Yeah has now been opened and and I don't think it's actually wrong that we talk about it. And we're obviously not the only country that's dealing with this too. And I mean, Hey, we finally found a good use for the blockchain, Brad. (laughs) Legitimate. I mean, it's a cool tech. It's just been uh, poorly. It's it's just, well, right. It's just been in, in almost every other instance. It's like, why would you not just use a database? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a, I really enjoyed this episode. Me too. Me too. Uh, uh, good, good, good times. We we hit we hit tech. We hit Taylor Swift. We hit mm-hmm. depression and mental health. What an episode! This is this is perfect overtired. Perfect overtired. Nailed it. Get some sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.